Geeks. Geeks. Hello and welcome to the Geeks, the Ghost in the Shell 2017 live action review podcast special thing. I'm your host Al White and joining me today is Tamri Shido from Japan. All the way from Japan. Tamra. Where the ghost, in the, shell, the ghost in the Shell was invented. Yes, it was. Yeah. Fact. <laughs> <laughs> that ghost in the shell. Was um, or uh, what do you call it in Japan? Uh, Koga Kidotai. Sounds stupid. <laughs> yeah, well. It's, it's robot armored forces. Forces, tactical. special force. Yeah. 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 Something kind really of. boring and like CSI kind of sounding. Uh, yeah. yeah. Certainly not as poetic as Ghost in the Shell. Um, <laughs> we did last week a guide to Ghost in the Shell, Tamara. Yes. Where we help beginners uh, new to the series and potentially people who've seen bits of the series but weren't sure where to jump back in. We unveiled the uh, complex universe of Ghost in the Shell. We did. Yeah. we did. And we were fairly comprehensive. We went through all the anime series, the yeah. anime films, the films made from the series, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. OVAs, the, even the Microsoft Surface ad. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. we kind of, at the end of that, suggested what we thought people should watch if they wanted to find out about Ghost Shell. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people might have seen the first one, so we kind of suggested what else we, we think would recommend mm-hmm. from everything uh, which is out there, which is a lot of stuff. Um, but now we've seen the live action film. Last night. Yep. Yep. Went to the preview in London. Yep. Uh, we went to the IMAX uh, to see it in 3D. It's not out in Japan yet. Is it not? It's out like 7th of April or something. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, this is going to be probably one of the first spoiler casts out there. This is a spoiler cast, so we're going to set it up front. Um, spoiler alert. We're not going to be dissecting the movie like we normally do on the podcast. When we normally do, for people who are new to us, a movie dissection, we will go through it scene by scene um, and really kind of pull it apart in the order. Since this is brand new out, I didn't get to take notes because we're in an IMAX theater um, and we're recording this very quickly afterwards. Mm-hmm. There's obviously not much information yet on Wikipedia with the story um, and we just want to get this content out. So we're not we're not going to be doing it that way. What we're going to be doing yeah. is talking through all the elements and then at the end... And it's not really much like this happens, then this happens and this happens kind of movie anyway. So Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> we can argue about that. Um Yes, what was I going to say? Yeah, so what's going to be interesting with this one, I feel, is at the end of this podcast, we can now sort of very quickly revisit mm-hmm. our last one in terms mm-hmm. of what do we suggest if, if you like the live action Ghost in the Shell, mm-hmm. if you don't like it, mm-hmm. is it still worth you going back to any of the anime? Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly, like, maybe you liked a certain element, like maybe there's something like we had a friend come with us. We went with five of us last night, um, friend of the podcast, Ruka and Bruno and Katie. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hello, Katie. Uh, Katie is in the room. But will not be joining the podcast because she fell asleep for most of the movie. <laughs> but that isn't necessarily to do with the movie. She has jet lag right now, so she didn't exactly. feel it was fair. Yeah, that, that, that's very fair. It was like half an hour. It was half okay. an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll we talk about to that. you for anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. The IMAX is pretty overwhelming. So before this yeah, trip to the UK, massive. I had never seen a film in IMAX, and now I've seen four. I saw Lego Batman movie, saw Kong Skull Island, saw Logan. Albeit that one was in 2D um, and Ghost in the Shell. It's massive and it's 3D and you're wearing those glasses. It's, yeah, it's a diffi- different kind of experience altogether. So yeah. I just kept wondering how I would have seen it differently if I saw it in 2D, smaller theater. If you're watching on your mobile phone like most people would. <laughs> <laughs> well. One earphone in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it is. I have to say... Out of the four movies I've seen in the IMAX, Kong was definitely the one that benefited the most because it's yeah, yeah. a very well-directed, CGI-heavy, mm-hmm. like explosive movie. Logan, I didn't feel was really necessary in IMAX. Yeah. Lego Batman wasn't necessary. This one, I think, had the potential. 
So I, this was yeah. one where I was like, I want to see this in IMAX because it's obviously a lot of CGI, a lot of effects. You know, I, it's something that the you know I didn't know how they're going to deal with it, but there's a lot of going into yeah. the internet, I guess. Or just things. to give you the idea of how big the screen is, it's kind of like you need to move your eyeballs to look at the corners. You need to move your head. Yeah, head. To. Yeah, because things go out of yeah. focus. Like someone will be talking there, like yeah. ghosting, ironically. Mm-hmm. And then you have to turn your head to look at them and they come in focus. Also, your glasses are sort of got those side yeah. uh, plates yeah, yeah, so yeah. that you don't have the peripheral vision. So you kind of need to move your head here. It's kind of, it, it is weird. It's annoying in some ways, but in other ways you feel more involved because you are like, it's like you're in the room with them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. That's something else we can talk about, actually. I yeah. was thinking about that. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we can do it now. Like, I, I, okay. I have, like I say, like out of those four movies... Kong was something I was like, that definitely benefited mm-hmm. from being in IMAX and being in 3D. Um, was a lot of fun. Um, Logan, I would have happily seen on the smaller screen. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's the... I went to see Logan a few days ago, and that was in a small screen. Yeah. And I was like, more than enough. I feel for me, it's just the sound of Logan. You want that loud. The, the, yeah, the actual yeah, screen, yeah, true. I don't mind. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind. Yeah. Um, but I'm definitely... I'm enjoying having IMAX nearby and getting to go So what I felt like watching... Ghost in the Shell, Koga Kidotai, in the IMAX. You're going to do that every time we say Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> in IMAX 3D was that it felt like kind of like theme park attraction mm-hmm. rather than watching a movie. Yep. And once you sort of switch your mind to go, this is not a movie, I'm, it's an experience, then you can kind of live with it better. But that shouldn't go on two hours or how long, whatever. Yeah I, yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. I think it is something, because it is slightly distracting at points. It does take yeah. you out. You're reminded oh, of the fact that you're in a movie. Yeah. Um, and the 3D, I think, adds to that as well. Like seeing Logan in the 2D wasn't so bad. You have to move your head a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the 3D, you really have to move your head. And you, it, it does, like, you've got to be aware of your glasses and where you're keeping yeah. them. And, yeah. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. I think it's mm. that's why I think someone like Kong is perfect, where it's mm, a mm, really mm. fucking great movie, but it is dumb and disposable mm-hmm. fun. Like you don't have to emotionally get too attached to mm-hmm. things. Um, and we'll argue later on whether Ghost in the Shell manages to achieve that, because that for me was yeah. something where Ghost in the Shell should be taking like the pathos of a film like Logan, mm-hmm. but then also the fun effects kind of splash of of Kong or something where there's a ton of stuff going on on screen um, and merging you know the yeah the best of 3d effects yeah with a good yeah a good sort of emotional um storyline and as i think i have talked about on this podcast before for those asian listeners out there uh, i strongly suggest to put a, some sort of like a napkin or like some sort of form in between your nose and the glasses <laughs> to just keep the lenses away from your eyes and it helps no really it does and uh, that would be my tip for all those Asian listeners out there. <laughs> that is something that hadn't even occurred to me. <laughs> Cause that, like, have you had a problem with that? With yeah, yeah. Because they, they're designed for those higher nose. Yeah, and like what happens is that when the lenses are too close to your eyes, you see kind of shadowy shape on the sides yeah. of the lens. And that's really... Have you been to 3D films annoying. in Japan? I presume they have... Do they have different glasses there or is it... Um, it's been a while since I went there, so maybe they've changed some bits. Okay. I presume they would, right? It's Japan, so you just have like contact lenses that allow <laughs> you to do 3D or something, <laughs> something cool and futuristic. Um, no, good note. Yep. All right, so let's go through the creative uh, people. Obviously, people know 
um, from the fact that this podcast is called Geeks and the fact that we did a guide to Ghost and Shell. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the franchise and you have kind of one foot in the franchise now, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. You've liked some of it. and mm-hmm. um, Have you had anything you haven't really... I mean, I guess Innocence you weren't really into, um, but you enjoyed yeah. You enjoyed the original and you enjoyed a bit of a rising. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I'm looking forward to watching the... Uh, the uh, the uh, so, 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 the, the yeah. SSS, SSS, yeah, yeah, yeah. the solid state society standalone complex. Yeah, yeah, standalone complex. Yeah, because <laughs> Japan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so okay, so let's just go through the creative talent behind the live action yes. movie for a second. We have the director Rupert Sanders. Now, when that name came up on screen, I'd kind of forgotten who he was. Mm-hmm. I, we we'd talked about it on the po- on our topical podcast uh, last year when this was all first announced or whatever. Um, but yeah, I must admit, I'd forgotten who he was. Um, Rupert Sanders is the guy who directed Snow White and the Huntsman. Not the last one that came out, which was The Huntsman and the War or whatever it was. But the original Snow White and the Huntsman with Kristen uh, Stewart. And uh, Is it Kristen or Kirsten Stewart? Kristen, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, I don't know why I always get that in the wrong way around. Um, yeah, he was a director. Do you remember who like he had an aff- well, he started having an affair with Kristen Stewart? during the shooting of Snow White and Huntsman no, and it really? became a big talking point and then him huh. and his wife and his kids nearly all like split up because wow. of it and then he begged them back and then she came out and sort of sort of apologized for it because uh. she was going out with who was she going out with at the time oh she was going out with what's it Patterson Patterson Rob what's his name Twilight guy Rob Patterson mm-hmm. yeah she was going out with him at the time and he was all upset about the fact she mean she on him with his director who was like twice her age as well and stuff and, and it was all really really weird mm-hmm. and then he ended up coming back for the sequel but then she refused to come back for the sequel okay it's all strange um but that's the only other film really that he's directed it's no white and the huntsman huh so this is a kind of his comeback yeah i guess so well this is his chance to prove yeah actually hang on hang on i just said he came back for the sequel let me just double check that i don't think he did actually in the end i know he was tied to the sequel for a long time robert nope rupert what's his name Hmm. It's always good podcasting when you can just hear me tapping away on a on a computer. Rupert Sanders. Uh, yeah, you don't need Snow White and the Huntsman. I know he was tied to the sequel for a while, but no, he didn't end up doing it. Um, I don't like, I'll be honest, I just went on IMDb. Mm-hmm. He's an English guy, born in 1971. I don't like his face very much. I can't say that. <laughs> I can't say that. Just, okay, his face as represented by his headshot on IMDb <laughs> is a bad decision. He could be a lovely, lovely guy. Don't get me wrong. Um, but that is a bad headshot. Um, so Who directed chooses by those him. headshots, I wonder? It's not himself. You know? No. Yeah. I'm not saying it's his fault. He's representation. <laughs> He's tall. Six foot four. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the important thing to know about. And the bus place is Westminster, London, England. He was born in Westminster. So he must be a posh boy. He is yeah. a posh boy then. Uh, written by Jamie Moss, who did Street Kings in 2008. Not much else. Um, well, I was also doing Safe House 2, um, which has just been announced. So not really a great pedigree uh, yeah, of, of previous scripts, hmm. which is a little bit of a, of a, yeah, a worry. Uh, but we also have William Wheeler, wrote as well um who's written a bit of actually the lego ninjago movie uh, oh ninjago there's also Which written still tv empire the cape coming out right? yeah yeah oh, it's not out yet 
but neither of them done anything that big. Um, certainly not in this kind of wheelhouse, which is interesting. Neither have done action like this mm -hmm. or effects like this. Um, so it's a strange choice for the writers of this. And then we're starring a lot of people because there are a lot of characters. Oh, and lots of producers as well, by the way. Oh, yeah, tons of producers, aren't they? And they're Ari Arad and Avi Arad. Yep, and they're the big boys. Yep. Um, yeah, I was, I was surprised to see their names mm. uh, come up at the beginning of this. Um, there are two composers. Yep, we'll get to the composers yep. in a second. Um, but yeah, yeah, and as we saw at the beginning of the movie, much like a lot of Hollywood films these days, um, some Chinese production companies coming in as well, spending and their monies. Those are the two companies who became news like two days ago about the fact that they haven't paid Paramount what they owe yet. Really? Uh, which is due to the changing of the CEO of Paramount Pictures. Okay. So they're sort of saying like, because the CEO has changed, things all changed, therefore they need to see the business plan from Paramount again Jesus. until we agree to pay like r a huge amount of money. It's become, it's really, I can't quite put into words. I don't, I don't know. I don't get where any money comes from to make a movie, yeah. but it really bothers me. Um, and this is like, I don't, I haven't done research on this, so I don't know the amount of movies where Chinese investors probably put money in or Chinese companies put money in mm -hmm. and they don't have any caveats to that deal and they have a very healthy organic process with a creative Also, uh, process. it is true that there is a cap to the China money getting out of the country. Yeah. So. But, but my problem is just like with the big movies out there, like, you know, like The Martian and things like that, like just so many films now and obviously the Avengers movies where they get Chinese money come in because that's a huge market that's suddenly mm -hmm. opened up to them. It's really where worldwide growth comes from. Yeah. It's why the Transformers movies are still coming out. Like the mm -hmm. last one bombed in America, but mm -hmm. it did so well in China. Um, and then they have to keep pushing Chinese actors or models into mm -hmm. films. Um, and then just China has to in some way come in and save the day. Even in Arrival, and I'm not doing spoilers or anything, mm -hmm. but Arrival is a fantastic film and I revisited mm -hmm. it for the third time uh, last week, actually. Um, and I'd kind of like, it's, it, it, they're the only film that for me has organically found a way for it to work, but it's yeah, still very yeah, obvious. Yeah. Like the Martians so was obvious. the most obvious one. Oh, it's, it's crazy obvious. Um, they just come and come in and it's like they have to, we have to save the world at some point. It's like looking at Avengers Will was Smith Korean though. Contract. That was interesting. But that had Chinese money in it, Avengers, didn't it? Yeah, I'm but sure. it was Korean, comp like, it was set in Korea. Yeah. And the doctor was Korean. Yeah. I don't know. Stuff, which I don't know. surprised me a bit. Um, but Anyhow, it, it is yeah. just starting to drive me crazy. Like, and yeah, there's a Ghost yeah. and Shells in another yeah. movie. As soon as I see those come up at the beginning, I was like, oh, here we go. Mm -hmm. They're going to force in some Chinese things. Mm -hmm. There's not too much in here. Like, as we talked about on the guide to Ghost and Shell, it's a very, it's, an, it's a, like an amalgamation of uh -huh. Asian uh, influence i had a chance to talk with the um uh fox's um marketing person in la okay. and he was actually saying that the audience don't actually care like from the marketing point of view it doesn't matter w whether we have chinese actors whether we have china in plot or not because audiences in china actually don't care that much really it's the producers or the writers or the directors casting directors who are saying maybe you should better have chinese than which is like an ego chinese. thing for the production I company don't, i don't know if it's ego or like it's the most like i don't know easiest choice scared. yeah safer also, choice. so when you're saying the public don't care you're saying the chinese public not not the western public no, no, chinese public okay yeah and that was said by uh, somebody who deals with asian marketing interesting yeah 
Yeah, I could totally believe that. Like, it's yeah. something where it's just, you know, it's so easy to just kind of brand it as mm. one thing of all oh, they will just, you know. But yeah, I can completely believe Because, like, they you don't want to, s- you want to see something else. Yeah, you I know, don't you, care. Like, you, I'm English you, and I grew up on an American movie. Admittedly, it's the same language, but, yeah, like, yeah. I watch French movies or watch, you know, but yeah. I don't really, I really don't care. Like, yeah. I appreciate that people can have fun with subtitles. I don't mm-hmm. grow up with that, mm-hmm. but I understand that at least. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, what color the skin is or mm-hmm. what, you know, setting the background is. I was mm-hmm. like, who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, surely I'm, it kind of gets boring for them as well. Because, oh, it's us Here we again. come to say <laughs> again. <laughs> Problem is, it just feels so shoehorned in the whole yeah. time. And we'll get to it in a second yeah. with the cast here. All right, so let's go through it. So a big deal of the Ghost and Shell is section nine. And it is really, you know, it's an ensemble. Ghost and Shell is an ensemble. It is... A group of detectives and, you know, um, black, blacklist uh, police agents uh, working together as a team in a very easy to adapt kind of like CSI meets Avengers kind mm-hmm. of way. Um, now, this movie, without a doubt, and we're going to try not to spoil exactly how we feel about this movie until we get further into it. But it does deal with Major and Bato from mm-hmm. the majority of this movie. Mm-hmm. And Arrest of Section 9 takes a huge backseat. Mm-hmm. But... For the sake of the fact that they're on the IMDb, let's go through who's playing who. Yeah. Uh, so we have, of course, Scarlett Johansson playing Major. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Bateau, who's played by Pillow Azbaik. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been in Borgen. I don't know how you pronounce that series, Borgen. I know. Uh, he was in the Lucy film. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he was in Ben-Hur, the new remake. He's also in The Great Wall, that Matt Damon mm-hmm. Chinese. Uh, speaking of Chinese money. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, The Great Wall. He's also in the upcoming series, I believe, of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So not a great like uh, Lucy. From I thought it was awful. Ben Hur was unbelievably bad, and The Great Wall looks atrocious. It's had horrible reviews. Mm. Um, yeah, it didn't really fit the image I have for Bato. No, yeah. This is an actor. I'll be honest. Here's the thing: in the trailers, he was the thing I was most worried about. I was like, Bato is such a great character, mm. so great that he carries all of the second animated mm-hmm. movie. Um, and he really, yeah, like we talked about on that, on our guide, he is Mamoru Oshii, the director of the mm-hmm. original two. He is him incarnate in terms of like how he's um, talking about philosophy mm-hmm. and how his viewpoints of the world is and stuff like that. Yeah, I, from the trailers, this guy just looked like a B-movie actor. Someone who did straight to TV. Like, just, he didn't look right. Yeah, he didn't have the gravity. Casting. Yeah. Um, and the little eye lenses that he gets put in just look stupid to me. They looked really weird. I mean, it's so difficult to act without eyes. Yeah, I can, it's I all on. Imagine. But yeah, he has people say it's all in the eyes, and like to have, not have that is like, what the fuck do you do with hey, it? <laughs> Jason Voorhees does it. <laughs> um, yep. You do sometimes see his eyes. To be fair, um, no, but I have to say, I was he was the thing I was most worried about for this movie. Mm, mm. He was not my biggest problem in any way with this movie, and I actually liked him more than I thought I was going to, mm-hmm. but not of Bato. He's no. like I, as a character, I was like you know what, he's okay. He's mm-hmm. all right. He injects some of the only bits of humor or levity we get in the film. Um, and he felt sincere mm-hmm. at, his, at, the, at his best in the film. At his worst, yes, it was dumb. And he seemed just like he was... You could tell he was just doing... We've been told you have to do this action. So he could just do this action. You didn't feel it came from a character. It came from an actor mm-hmm. being told mm-hmm. to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, because it looked cool. But he was never better to me. I feel never, like ever, ever. maybe there was sort of that kind of... I can imagine maybe the set wasn't easy set. Not for sure. You know, uh, the conditions they were put in must have been quite tough. Also, the language of the film is very difficult to do well. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, I th- because I look at those casts and there are great, good, ac- good enough actors here who I don't think are doing their best work. Mm-hmm. So well, yeah, Scarlett Johansson. I mean, we skipped over her obviously because yeah, we're going to spend yeah. a lot talking about her. Um, but Scarlett Johansson for sure. Yeah. Like, like she is. I mean, whether she's a great actress, she could be a great presence mm. on screen. Um, and that's something we have to talk about with this. If she, if she was a great presence, but let's skip all these quickly. Um, I just want, yeah, Bato is just a big deal for me because he is, you know, a good percentage of this movie, mm-hmm. and he's such a central fan favorite character. And for me, this actor was just badly cast. It's yep. like bad directing, bad writing, and bad casting. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that the actor's necessarily no good. He hasn't been in many good films, but it doesn't mean he can't be good. I just, it was just, an, it was just a collection of bad decisions. Uh, we had. Han, who is Togusa, uh, Togusa, how you say it? Togusa. Togusa. There you go. (laughs) So here's the weird one. This is another fan favorite. He's the one who has no cybernetics out of section nine, Mm -hmm. likes to use an old fashioned revolver. It's more of a real human. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to look him up after the film to go, wait, was that meant to be Togusa? Because I was waiting for Togusa to turn up and he Mm -hmm. never did. Mm -hmm. So in the film, he's played by a Chinese person called Chin Han. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, who was in The Winter Soldier. He was in Independence Day Resurgence. He's in the Arrow TV show, Marco Polo. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was apparently named one of Asia's, Asia's 25 greatest actors of all time by CNN hmm. Go. Cool. Um, and yeah, I looked him up. Okay, so was, the actor's name is Chin Han. Uh, clearly put in here from the Chinese money of like, this is the mm-hmm. guy we want somewhere in this movie. Um, guess what they call him in the movie? Did you know this? Well, I think this is a mistake. But he's co- but he, I, in the movie they never call him Togusa. No, they they do. Do they? When? Aramaki calls him. He calls him Togusa. Togusa yeah. Because IMDb, yeah, sure. he's credited as Han. Yeah, that's uh, the name of his. This character. is clearly a mistake, I think. That's a crazy yeah. mistake. Yeah. <laughs> IMDb. Yeah. Um, I never heard him being called Togusa, but I'll take your word for it if you say he was. Well, um, he says it in a very thick Japanese okay. accent. Togusa. <laughs> So maybe you didn't well, maybe pick up it's on because it. Yeah. <laughs> Takashi Katano, you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he knows better. He's, he's like the only <laughs> Japanese one here, so he's fucking trying to keep the film on track. I was like, no, no. You can be called Han if you want, but you're Togusa. <laughs> uh, yeah, just, but inescapably so far away from who Togusa is as a character, um, and obviously massively underused in this film. Yeah. I agree. Uh, then we have Ishikawa, who's the beardy one, <laughs> um, who's played by Lazarus Ratuer. I don't even remember this character. He's from Australia. Uh, he was in Ready for This and Terra Nova, two TV shows. Uh, also, okay. you you could blink and miss him in the film. Yeah. Uh, Saito, who is the sniper, played by Yutaka Izumihara, mm-hmm. who's in a Pacific, Railway Man, Amazing Grace. I worked with him before. You worked with him before. Yeah. Okay. So you're not allowed to talk about him. Because you might be no. biased either way. Yeah. Um, but but Saito was like tiny role. Tiny role. I, I felt so bad for him. Yeah. Like, tiny. And we will definitely get to this, but you, you, you blink, you miss him. Yeah. And then suddenly turns up at the end to do something critical to the plot. Yeah. Um, and for me, if you're a general public and not a Section 9 fan, you're like, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck is this guy? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but all of these people, I can't say much bad about because they're not in the film no, enough for you to judge them. No. That's the no. thing. Um, then we have Ladria, who is played by Danusia Samal, uh, English, but of Kurdish and Polish origin, uh, was in something called Tyrant, not really in anything of note. This is someone who there was a lot of complaints from fans when she was announced before the film came out. 
mm-hmm. uh, because everyone's like, who the fuck is Ladria? Um, because indeed, it's not a part of the canon. It's not part of section Wait, which nine. Which one you're talking about? The girl. The token girl. The token girl. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. To make it seem a bit more diverse because section yeah. nine is all men. Yeah, in the yeah, anime, yeah, yeah. Other yeah. than Major. Uh-huh. Um, again, doesn't really do anything, but does have a bit more talking than some of the others uh-huh. um, in one scene. And then we sh- have she still has a male name, Lad. Lad, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Um, then we have Bormer, who's the explosive specialist, who's meant to be kind of like the big tank uh, version of, mm-hmm. of Bato. He's played Tawanda Manyamo, who's from Zimbabwe, who's been in the Rover, Slow Western Meg, uh, the upcoming shark movie Meg. Um, he's actually a good actor, this guy. I didn't even notice him in this movie other than one scene where he's standing yeah. in the background. Um then we have you remember our section nine friend paz the inve- uh, investigator yakuza guy who um is a bit of a womanizer and is kind of like the lupin of, oh, the, no, of the team i do not remember that do you know why you don't remember him in the film because he's not in it <laughs> they trade paz out apparently for that new female character Latvia. <laughs> uh, hmm. so there's no yakuza character in here then of course you've got daisuke aramaki who's known as the old ape played by takashi kitano no no Played by Beat Takeshi. Oh, I'm sorry. Played by Beat Takeshi. If you want to get comedy yeah. on us, Tanra. No, no, he uses Takeshi Kitano when he, only when he does the directing job. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And when he is an actor or comedian, he uses Beat Takeshi. Ah, oh, I always thought yeah. Beat was just for his comedy stuff. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, people in the West will know him from Battle Royale, uh, Zadoichi. Or Takeshi's Castle. People in the West will not know him, but Takeshi's Castle. <laughs> <laughs> but he is the same guy. I know. But no one in the West will know what the fuck that is. They might. He's also um, directed a lot of fantastic Yakuza movies, including Hanabi, uh, Kikuru Jiro, mm-hmm. uh, Brother, Son and Tain. Outrage. Uh, yeah. And the Irish Trilogy now. I've seen, yeah, I haven't seen yeah. any of them yet. Yeah. Um, he is one of Japan's biggest properties, really, isn't he? Like Internationally read recognized yeah yeah but he doesn't yeah. do much out of japan that's a thing like no, he does not like battle no. royale i would say is one of his biggest things that people in the west will know him from and that was a long time yeah, ago now. probably yeah uh then we've got because it just keeps on going we've got dr Ulet ule i think they yeah. pronounced it who's played by juliette binoche one of mm. the greatest actresses of any generation three I colors just blue did not look right in this movie nope yeah. Uh, three Colors Blue, The English Patient, Cachet, she's in I Gareth Edwards, Godzilla, it. Cloud of Sils Maria, Chocolat, Code Unknown, The Unbearable Lightness of Being. Truly great actress. Mm. Uh, definitely used a lot, at least, in this movie. Yeah. Unlike some of these other characters. I really want to know where it went wrong, because that's just not right. No. Anyway. We will get to that. Let's yeah. just get through this. We're nearly there. Then we get the two baddies. So we've got Cutter, mm-hmm. who's played by Peter Ferdinando. Mm-hmm. He was also in Snow White and the Huntsman, so he's worked with this director before, okay. which explains a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also in the 300 sequel, 300 Rise of an Empire, mm-hmm. and last year's High Rise movie. And then finally, we have Kuze, who is, unless I missed it, and please do tell me if I missed it, uh-huh. at no point in the film ever referred to as the Puppet Master, which is what he's called in the anime and the manga. I he's also called Kuze. but don't think he was. I might be wrong, but I don't think he was. Okay. So playing yeah. the puppet master, but not called that, just called Kuze, is Michael yeah. Carmen Pitt. It's always been Michael Pitt. And I tried to look up why is he now called Michael Carmen Pitt uh-huh. in the credits. Um, I couldn't find a definitive answer for that. Okay. Who, yeah, has been tons of stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, I knew him from when he started in Dawson's Creek. He was in Hedwig and the Angry Inch. He's in Bully, The Dreamers, The Village, Last Days, Funny Games, Boardwalk Empire. I think a lot of people uh-huh. know him from now. And I Origins. Uh, 
he he can be a great actor. He can do some very good things. There's also Doctor Darling, da- Darling. Oh, I missed that one. Yeah, yeah. There's too many characters in this fucking. Yeah, yeah. Um, Doctor Dar- Darling was played by Anna Maria Marinka. Thank quite you. Quite similar to the other Doctor. Yes. In a yeah. Way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, kind of yeah. Yeah. And I, I must mention the uh, Kaori Momoi playing the mother. Oh yes, you must. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of her style, her lifestyle. Like her she, lifestyle. she was huge. Like she, she was a teenager when she became massive star. Then she suddenly moved to LA, getting rid of all the success she had in Japan. Then started from the bottom. And uh, there's a famous story when uh, her l- landlord uh, said to her, I heard that there is this role in the film and uh, I think you should you should audition for it. And the role was just like a cleaner. <laughs> 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 and she was like, yeah, sure. Like, you know. uh, and she still did it. Man. So, yeah, she's... A yeah. dignity. Yeah, she's got a lot of dignity. Great. Um... Yeah, so she plays uh, Scarlett Johansson, mm-hmm. which is mother. Uh, and the robot her. geisha was played by Raila Fukushima, who was oh, in really? the um, Wolverine, the Japanese version. Oh, really? Yeah. The That's red interesting. hair. Yeah. Because I, I, I wasn't sure how much of those were animatronic. How yeah, much but you only hear the voice, right? Like You really yeah. do not recognize the face at all. So. Yeah, I don't even know if they're... Because yeah. they're, like, they're yeah. like the same face over and over again, aren't they? Yeah. So, but we have a we have a potentially mix of a great cast yeah and some very very much unknowns yeah um so there's a potential here with a director who's you know snow white and huntsman was a solid action film certainly wasn't anything to be that excited about but it was solid um Mm. and some really great cast the music then we've got lorna balf um who hasn't done much great he really comes from a computer game background um, he did Modern Warfare 2, he did Assassin's Creed 3, mm-hmm. um, but then he went into films, he's done the Bible TV show, um, and he did Terminator Genesis, um, and he did Michael Bay's film last year, 13 Hours. Um, very droney music, mm. nothing that's really got a good theme. Mm-hmm. But joining him on this film, and I don't know how they portioned it out, mm-hmm. is Clint Mansell, who's one of the greatest uh, score composers. Mm-hmm. He did Black Swan, he did Stoker, he did The Wrestler, The Fountain, mm-hmm. Requiem for a Dream. On the flip side of that, he has also done Doom, mm-hmm. um, and he also did uh, the production IG anime, Blood, The mm-hmm. Last Vampire, that live-action movie, which was... I heard a rumor there were more composers involved in the movie than just really? these two. Yeah. So we're, uh, that was a big thing f- for us, because the music's such a big thing to do with Ghost and Shell, and uh, in our guide to Ghost and Shell, I said, I wonder what they're going to do with the music mm. with this, because it's such a big uh, part of the personality. Yeah, yeah. Um, and throughout the movie there's nods to the original every now and then where mm-hmm. they have like some of the kind of choir vocals in places mm-hmm. um, but they definitely try and carve out their own thing until you get to the end credits and suddenly the original's music yeah, kicks yeah. In. so why did they not use the, like that's a choice right surely oh, for sure yeah, yeah. that's why I turned to you it's like oh they did have the licensing yeah. to this music they just didn't use it what's the reason behind that I don't know I have no idea yeah I think they're trying to do their own thing um, but they are paying a lot of homage yeah yes. the original. so like why don't start with the music I don't understand but anyway our very last character i want to talk about uh character a very last element of this is the dop mm-hmm. who is jess hall mm-hmm. uh, he did son of he's an english guy did son of rambo did hot fuzz 
um, did the spectacular now and then that Johnny Depp movie Transcendence. Um, mm-hmm. So he's done some good stuff. Um, but so it's like it's there's a lot of potential here. You tell me you got Scarlett Johansson and you got Clint Mansell and you got Takashi Kitano or Pete Takashi, sorry. And you've got like this <laughs> DOP and you've got like it's and you've got Michael Pitt and they're gonna be in the new Ghost and Shell movie. Mm. I was getting excited. I really mm. was. Like I was trepidatious because making a live action anime film has never really worked, particularly outside of Japan anyway, mm-hmm. Western versions never work. Um but I was excited to see what they could do. Now they boil down the story. They're essentially taking, because that was one of our questions, what's the story going to be about? It is essentially Ghost in the Shell 1. Only is it? It's the... even before that. So here's yeah, the weird thing. Yeah, they yeah. try and tell the origin of Major, which yep. is something that hasn't really been told, in the, not in the way that they're telling it. It's told a bit in a rise. Mm-hmm. It's hinted at here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's never been told in the way they're doing it now, which is basically a superhero format. Yeah. Of here's the Major mm-hmm. being reassembled at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. into... And it tells us explicitly mm-hmm. uh, right away at the beginning that this is exactly what they're doing. They're mm-hmm. putting the first human brain uh, from someone who died into a fully cybernetic body. Mm-hmm. And it's meant to be the start of this whole new program, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, but then they try and marry that with the narrative of the puppet master from the first Ghost in the Shell movie. And visually as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because then they jump a year ahead. So you Mm -hmm. get this little intro bit at the beginning of the movie where you see her being assembled Mm -hmm. almost exactly the same as in the anime movie. Mm -hmm. And then they skip a year ahead to get into the puppet master while she's still struggling existentially with who Mm -hmm. she is, what it means to be inside her shell. Does she have a ghost? Mm -hmm. Um, And the synopsis they have here on IMDb is simply, in the near future, Major is the first of a kind, a human who is cyber enhanced to be a perfect soldier devoted to stopping the world's most dangerous criminals. When terrorism reaches a new level that includes the ability to hack into people's minds and control them, Major is uniquely qualified to stop it. As she prepares to face a new enemy, Major discovers that she has been lied to and her life was not saved. Instead, it was stolen. Mm. So I guess the first thing I want to ask you, Tamara, Mm -hmm. as someone who's familiar with Ghost and Shell series, Mm -hmm. Did you, do you want to know Major's story? Like, is that what you wanted this movie to be? Did you want to learn about it? Not saying how they did it. I didn't have any expectations, so I was okay with it. Um, I don't, like, yeah, I, I, I thought this could be just a remake of the original that I would have been okay with, I guess. Um, I thought there's a possibility that it falls in between the first and the second, though the original and innocence which would have been interesting or like the merger of these two but it was none of those no yeah and i felt like her struggle for her identity and like that psychological side which does exist in the original was more sort of made simpler in a way more clear less clutter so that was kind of nice as a sort of blockbuster movie, I guess. Yeah, I can certainly see why, as investors making this movie, a property that the original came out 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, a lot of people in this generation wouldn't have never seen it. Mm. A lot of people who are fans may not have seen it in a long mm-hmm. time. Or um, they might have seen the wrong one. Yeah, exactly. Might have seen a rise <laughs> and not the original. So get confused. You want to explain who is Major, what yeah. is her story. So I can understand them wanting to tell the story that they told. For sure, it's not necessary to sort of interest me the most. No, um, that that part did not interest me. In a way, what interested me was the last twenty minutes where she finds out how she became Major Kusanagi. Okay. Okay. Know. 
Yeah, that was like, oh, okay, that's what you're doing. Interesting. Yeah, because yeah, with enough, we had slightly different, we had opposite reactions. Yeah. To this movie, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, so I, I completely understand what they're trying to do. It's, for me, it is a problem. So just with the character, because Major is in the anime incredibly strong. Like incredibly strong. Mm-hmm. She's pretty cold, but then injects humor in here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, she can handle pretty much. You feel like she can handle any situation. She's very smart mm-hmm. and very peaceful about stuff. The problem with joining her at the beginning, when she's just changed, mm-hmm. and even though this jumps a year later, she still seems to be in roughly the same mindset. Yeah. Um, is you're dealing with someone then who is predominantly quite weak in their mind, at least. Like mm-hmm. she's very uncertain mm-hmm. about everything. She doesn't know who to trust. Yeah. Um, she's kind of. I guess she's scared, but she's trying to cover it up by acting hard the whole time. And it's it's not the major that we're used to seeing. That's for sure. It's a much no. more tempered... Like, she can kick ass, sure. She can handle an action sequence. But emotionally, she's not in the same place. Um, you know, she was more robotic, right? In the anime? No, no, no. In this? In this. Like, at the beginning, she was more... There's a thing. I think she's both. Like, I think she... Because in the anime, this is the thing. Her emotional response is more robotic in a way. Mm -hmm. Like, it's more kind of just... She's a bit cold Mm -hmm. about things Mm -hmm. and analytical. Mm -hmm. But not in a really, you know, overdone robotic Mm -hmm. way. Just in a strong character way. But her movements are completely fluid in the anime. Whereas in this, I found they did the other way. Like, they give her more human traits. Like, she's constantly complaining. She constantly seems sad about stuff. Yeah, yeah. But her movements were really robotic. Like they get her to mm-hmm. walk very rigidly. Her shoulders are in weird positions when she's standing. Her arms don't swing too much. When she runs, it's definitely in this strange sort of Terminator 2 sort mm-hmm. of way. Uh, which, but you were saying maybe that's just Scarlet. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I've seen her. I don't know. She I seems know. more fluid when she's playing Black Widow. That's what I kept referring it to. It's like, I've seen her do action in Avengers and she seems yeah, but fluid th- in that. that's the way things get shot, right? I guess. Yeah, but that's something I think the director definitely pushed her in this. Whether she yeah, realized it yeah, or not, yeah. I feel like she did. But she, I think she was definitely pushed to be more robotic in her movements. Yeah. And that for me just, there's no other word for it. It just looked really dumb to me. Like it didn't, it just turned the wrong way round to do that character. Mm. It's like she should feel human. Um, but inside there should be that combat between like the, the cybernetic side of yeah. her. Yeah, okay. Um, the dosage of the... Um, daily medicine was that in the original as well no no it wasn't no. well not, not none of the animes maybe in the manga it's been yeah for me that sort of extra plot made the story a lot simpler and like that kept the focus of what this story wants to tell which is like so yes. she's being sort of tricked yeah, and choice is a yeah. big thing in this because they keep yeah. going on about she has to give her consent every time they do anything to yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they make this point and it's very clear early on. It's like, okay, this is going to be a big deal then. It's like, because she has to keep saying, I am like Major Baba Kusanagi and yeah. I give my consent and all this stuff. Which um, wasn't in the original. No. No. No, no, no. And then later on they reveal to, oh, we never needed your consent. Yeah. Um, and it's this terrifying thing for her. And I think we're meant to find it terrifying too, but I, I was not alone for that ride. <laughs> no. Um. So, the story with the puppet master that they take, they find a way to make it much more personal for her. So, in the anime, Mm -hmm. um, it is a separate story to do with different refugees, Mm -hmm. um, which then is to... I I can't remember the minutia, I have to be honest. Um, But it doesn't involve... It involves basically themes to do with her, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't involve her directly Mm. like it does here. But what they do is here, they rope her into it. 
where there was like was it 98 people test subjects to create major something like that 96 mm-hmm. 98 mm, 98 yeah. uh, that they reveal later on yeah um they're trying to create essentially the perfect now this is what i want to say cutter is running this operation he's the payrolling it mm-hmm. so he gets final say on everything he's paying the doctor mm-hmm. to do these tests mm-hmm. what is he trying to create a perfect soldier yeah that's what it is well, he's trying to make money right okay yeah so uh, First of all, like, so he's tried to create a post-soldier. They've killed 98 people. They've been taking them from refugee camps. Was that the deal? Or just this one group were from like a refugee camp? In this movie? Yeah. No, that was the story they were believed to. Okay. They, they were made to believe. So what were they taken from? They're taken from the, uh, those kids. Yeah. Those kids who were... What were they doing? Radical and against the society so they got together okay. in that shed and those were the kids and when the government came to sort of take them away they just sent it to the okay. Qatar. so just like radical left-wing political left-wing kids, kids basically yeah, yeah. who are squatting somewhere yeah. so that's why like you know in the original the the story of the dustbin man mm-hmm. the way the their life Memories being yeah changed and altered, created and uh, altered. Yeah, that plot makes sense for Major too, because the same thing happened to her basically. Yeah, but that was happening through the doctors and through yeah. how she was created. Yeah, yeah, exactly. those memories. Um, it just confused me a little bit because the way they showed the refugees' memories that she's having that are glitching out in a cool visual way. Yeah, like yeah, just yeah. kind of fire and the glitching and stuff. How that then turns us in, into the actual place when her and Michael Pitt, mm-hmm. who were just friends, I feel like they weren't lovers. Were no, they? they weren't lovers. No, no. Who were just friends, but part of the same collective. Yeah. Um, how they were found and taken against mm-hmm. their will for these experiments. It really seemed very similar to me between the refugee thing and... We never the, saw the refugees. Though. But I thought that that was the sort of glitchy dream she's having of the fire. No, that, that was her sort of conscious oh bringing the real memory through again oppressed conscious that's sort of surfacing but she's not okay sure what this is okay neither was i (laughs) (laughs) clearly (laughs) Um, but it's probably just me being dumb um anyway all right so so okay so they're trying to make the perfect soldier so Uh, that's why when she sees the tattoo on the um the guy Mm mm-hmm it's the house where they grew up. Uh, the, yes. Where, the, the, no, the, the shed they were hiding. Yeah. They go like, the major goes, why do you have that tattoo? And I see that in my head as well. So is it, I'm, I'm probably sounding really stupid here then, but is it that much worse to take radicalized kids squatting somewhere and force them against their will as opposed to taking refugees? I was it meant to be that the refugees had been killed or something? And yeah, then they were taking th- them to save them? Was that what they were The saying? doctor said to Major that that story was put in in order to make them into a better soldier so that they're more sort of against the... So they can handle their situation. Yeah. The fight that they're fighting. And they know that their parents are dead. Right, okay. Which makes it... Okay. Better soldier. It's a little messy how this story is told in this movie. Yeah, I guess uh, so. Yeah, which is weird yeah. for a film with some exposition because right at the very beginning... Also, it's very hard to focus on the story because of the look. Yes. We'll get to the look. That we need to talk about, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, right at the beginning, it's so exposition heavy. Like, they really try and drive home within the first few sentences, a ghost is a soul. Like, literally saying that. Yeah, like, they like do. a soul. Yeah. A ghost. A yeah. ghost is a soul. They really <laughs> try to make sure... And then they come back to it a couple more times throughout the yeah. movie to make sure you understand... 
all of the metaphors they're going to be talking about. And for me at the beginning of the movie, I'm thinking, okay, this is fine. I mean, it's cheesy, but it's fine as long as then they're going to have those philosophical discussions to really get into the meat uh-huh. of the complexity Which of AI. Which they didn't do. They did not do it at all. No. They didn't do it at all. No. So it's like, well, you're giving me the language and then you're not even using it. Mm. <laughs> like, so, Which was just pointless. Um, really, really, that was my first impression with this movie was, okay, they've recreated the anime opening. It looks a bit CGI, mm. but fine. The music isn't what I wanted it to be, but fine. Mm-hmm. Can still do some cool things here. Mm. Um, but then immediately the script was starting to come through to me of like, okay, the script is not good here. Like it's not. When it's you say script, are you talking about the plot or the language? Really the language. I think the plot's fine. Yeah, I kind of agree. Like there are some really bad lines. It's just nothing's, yeah. nothing's, it's all to service the convoluted world and plot. Yeah. It's not, which I think would be fine, but there's nothing about it, nothing really about the characters, which is weird when it's all about her. But I mean, it's, it's it, never intimate. It's never like... It's kind of stylized. No? It's very stylized. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just jumbled. It's just like mixed. It's yeah. like there are, there are bits of good scenes mostly stolen from the original uh-huh. and then put out of context so it doesn't really make sense. And the stylization can work because it's visualized, uh, visually stylized. So, you know, it, it's good to have that sort of balance often but in this case it didn't work like that yeah i mean yeah we so needed that, more sort of non-stylized real dialogues yeah just a, a, a real have. human moment yeah which yeah. between her and batoto was plenty of opportunity for and yeah. we never really get it yeah um maybe there were and they just cut it who knows i really don't feel there was i really don't like i feel it's so everything about this movie feels like it's doing what it's trying to do me, yeah, but it's just not doing the right thing. The only moment like that got close to that was when M- Major met with the mother. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was a tiny yeah. glimpse. Yeah. Um, at what this movie could have been, and also potentially the only scene in the movie with no effects in, because yeah. I couldn't. I was trying to count a shot mm-hmm. that didn't have some effects. There was so much going mm-hmm. on in this film, mm-hmm. which at first is both dazzling and tacky. Yeah, because there's just so much going on in the city. Mm-hmm. There's all this. It's more like an Akira version of the city. There are huge holograms yes. as adverts. Okay. They kind of look like Titans. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, why is a Titan you there? Just see like running, <laughs> running. Yeah, that running one just made me laugh. <laughs> why is he running on this? I heard someone laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but I like it. Uh, it yet yeah, it felt more like Akira to me than the Ghost and Shell. I agree, but then so I hated it. I hated the look like completely until like halfway through. Okay. Then I kind of got used to it. And like considering the fact that the original was animation, mm-hmm. the Innocence used all these horrible 3D animation. Yeah. In beautiful 2D animation, let me just. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so therefore, like this one to have all the CGI is kind of, it's a style by itself. It is, you know. it is a style, but my problem is, I don't, actually, let me look up how much this movie was made for. But my problem with it is that it's just really bad, arrogant planning. This <laughs> is such a difficult movie to make, yeah. like such a difficult story to tell yeah. and to adapt. You have a history of proof that animated live action, particularly in the West, goes very badly. Mm-hmm. Um, so be careful, like be wise where you're spending your money. Mm-hmm. And this for me is a very early on decision of, well, let's have a few little touches to the city 
that make it feel how it does it because the, the anime movies aren't like that like they're way more like Blade Runner they're way more just dark cities a lot of rain mm-hmm. there's no rain in this film at all I don't think until maybe right at the end mm, um, but yeah. it's like nothing really it was actually quite a bright luminous film um, and it's like it why wasn't would you dusty choose? either no no and it's like why would you choose to spend all your money like it's how much of the of the budget must have and I can't find a budget online I don't think they've announced how much it costs um, but how on earth did you make that decision mm-hmm. when there's so many other places to spend the money in this movie to make it quality? Mm-hmm. Um, and that for me was just like a very bad initial decision where you could see someone do some concepts and I can imagine mm-hmm. concepts like, that looks cool. Mm-hmm. And then once you committed to that, you're fucked because you have to do that for every shot mm-hmm. again and again mm-hmm. and again. There are, to be fair, there are some really cool, beautiful shots. There are some great shots. Like when the, the water fight scene happens, which is a remake of the original fight with the... Uh, Dustin Man and uh, uh, see-through measure. Yes, that that sequence was like beautifully was beautiful. done. So let's yeah. talk about that then, because this is another thing with movie which we sort of touched on a second ago. It takes sporadic scenes from the original anime movie mm-hmm. um, and then recreates them almost shot by shot. Mm-hmm. So that is one which is literally almost shot by shot. Yeah, almost um, yeah. from the animated movie, um, and they recre- recreate most of them very well. Like yeah. that one looks beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Not all of them do. No, um, no, not all. But what what's weird with those scenes I find is that, for instance, you have that one, which mm-hmm. you don't necessarily need that scene, no. but it's a cool scene. It feels like they're shoehorned in. Yeah. For the s- nostalgic purpose. Exactly. Which I don't necessarily sort of. I guess it's a. It's okay. Well, this is the <laughs> thing. It's like before, as we sat down to watch this movie, I nearly turned to Katie and I was going to say, "All I need to see in this movie." is a scene with the major underwater yeah. reflecting on her existence. And then I'll be happy. If they, they took that scene that. from the original. They do. But this that, is the problem. No, they found a way to fuck beat Tamra. Yeah, that wasn't good. <laughs> because they took that scene from the original anime and then they shoehorned it into a part of the story where there is no possible way she would think, oh, this is the time where I'm going to go diving. Like they were in the middle of huge revelatory action sequences and conspiracy things and stuff which was going on. And then they just suddenly take a break to shoehorn in this anime scene. Yeah, she went in hiding. And then they show it like really beautiful and luminous and like they want to show more CGI creatures Mm -hmm. and more CGI jellyfish Mm -hmm. and all this stuff because they seem obsessed with look how Mm -hmm. all the things we can do with CGI. And then she, and it's meant to be just dark and peaceful and quiet. That's the Mm -hmm. whole point. And I appreciate she's talking about the cybernetic quiet as well as the physical Mm -hmm. part. Mm -hmm. Then she comes out of it and starts talking about how great it is because it's so dark. It's like, we were just down there with you and it was not dark. It was <laughs> like a party of day glow sticks. <laughs> yeah, like, true. It's, they find a way, like that, that fight you're talking about in the water is one of the bits where they succeed in recreating yeah, the anime scene. Yeah, yeah, Which as a fanboy, you're like, that's cool because they've recreated that scene. But as a storyteller, you're like, mm. why bother? Also, that dialogue on the sh- boat with Meiji and Bato could have been oh, a beautiful it. moment. The, and in, in, the, in the anime, it's not perfect, but they discuss philosophy. Yeah. In this, he says like four butchered lines yeah. that are truncated down. Shame. And it's such a shame. Mm. It just sounds so cheesy and yep. so dumb. And it keeps circulating to that. Like like this film, the further I got into it, like I started off the first 20 minutes going, this could maybe all get good. Mm. Like there are things I don't like about it, but they're mm. setting up mm. enough stuff. Mm. Um, maybe it'll get good. And I just, it went wildly off the fucking tracks for me. Yeah. Like it just very quickly arose. No, this is... And I'm gonna reveal I mean, the first like ten minutes was basically Kill Bill, though. 
Yes. <laughs> well, and the Matrix, and which yeah, the Matrix yeah. is obviously inspired by Ghost in the Shell. If there's one good use of this film, so we went, one of our friends who came was Bruno. He is a huge fan of the Matrix. And I said mm. to him beforehand, I'm going to be interested in what you think of this film because the Matrix took so much, mm-hmm. um, as they admit, from Ghost in the Shell. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was kind of excited. He came out, I think, the most positive out of the five of us. Mm. He started talking about how he liked the story a lot and he liked the visuals a lot and all this stuff. Um, and I do think for people who are just used to the Matrix, yeah, you're going to see a lot mm. of the places some elements of that came from. Matrix, the first one at least, yes. looks better though. Oh, of course. No, they make, don't, don't get me wrong. Far. This is the problem though. People will come and see this and and so, anything they could take from, yeah. oh, the Matrix took all these things from this, yeah. which they won't do. They'll think, oh, this is just all things from the Matrix, uh-huh. obviously. But the Matrix did it a million times better. Yeah. Like a million times yeah. better than this movie. There's no comparison even. So they're not even adding anything. And this was a chance for Ghost in Shell to reclaim back some of its kind of dignity. Yeah. Of, well, we've never been done live action other than really the Matrix. Here's our way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Like here's how we can do it different and mm-hmm. how we can sort of get back to how we created these ideas. Um, and they fumble that again and yeah, again and again. Yeah, they did. Um, so then we... Okay, let's talk a little bit about Puppet Master then. Okay. Um, Kuze, mm-hmm. Michael Pitt. So he keeps popping up as his presence, who I actually kind of like at the beginning. When you don't see him, mm-hmm. and he's this hooded person, mm-hmm. it, it's almost giving me the chills at once. Oh, which really? Is, there's something you know in her past. He's given this one like line of dialogue to do with like if you if you're if you're supporting I've forgotten the name of the company Kamaka or whatever, Hacker. Um, then you will be destroyed. And he just keeps like repeating the same things. It's like a digitized version of his voice. Yeah. And it's a little bit creepy to be honest. He's always trying to buy wires. She comes across in one of the films, again, sporadic, great visual moments. Mm-hmm. A place where he's using human service, oh, yeah, like yeah, Buddhist yeah. monks yeah. almost, yeah. being tapped into one sort of mainframe uh-huh. um, to basically scramble his IP address, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, there are these little moments in here okay. where I'm like, oh, yeah. they're building to what could be a really cool villain. Like, he could be really cool. Yeah. The way he's kind of, like, in everything. Uh-huh. And that's what, something I love about the original Ghost in the Shell is the puppet master is so smart and so yeah, philosophical. True. Yeah, And he's exploring these dark themes. And he's he's kind of like the Magneto to Xavier. He just yeah, has a yeah, different yeah, way of thinking about it. Yeah. And then we actually meet Michael Pitt. Now, unfortunately, Michael Pitt, even though he's 35 now, looks like a 17-year-old boy always. He, they uh-huh. give him, like, an emo hairstyle in this. And... In this movie, he's just a hacker and he's a victim who is yep, on exactly. the quest of vengeance. Yeah, which is similar to where the Puppet Master comes from, but he doesn't really seem to know what he's doing that well. No. Like, the plan doesn't seem to be that big, that comprehensive. No. Um, if it is, he certainly doesn't really let us in on it. And he just looks silly to me once you see him. And he needs the major to help him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which I couldn't tell if that was just nostalgic or practical. I couldn't really understand. Um, yeah, I don't know. I also don't like, he's one of the people, but a lot of everyone in here has something cybernetic with them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time that means get a bit of plastic, spray paint it silver and stick it to the side of their mm-hmm. heads. <laughs> and I really didn't yeah. like that. I really didn't like that. At all. That was the cutter, right? Cutter I had think. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you got like, so the garbage people who we talked about earlier, oh, yeah, who yeah, hacks yeah, into yeah. their brain and the scene recreated from the anime. They have to have like wires going into their head uh-huh. with little lighting up LEDs so you can tell they're being hacked yeah. in their brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't like the design of all these cybernetic things. Hmm. Like, it. it that didn't bother me. I was like, yeah. What's great in the, in most of the anime is like you don't see, like mm, you don't see. Sure. It's only when they remove their face suddenly 
like that doctor that they go to and she suddenly takes her eyes the off. The eyes, go, yeah. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, like it looked, yeah. it didn't look great how they did it. But that they're the things that are cool to me where the whole point is you shouldn't be able to tell other than like the geisha robots and things like that, which are purposefully very mm-hmm. robotic. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole point is like, you're not meant to tell augmentation because people don't want you to know. And that's really the thing that I, I think as humans does separate us. We we're talking about yesterday with what the future is going to be. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I think it's actually going to be a lot like Ghost in the Shell in certain ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, but people don't wear Google Glass because it looks stupid. And I think it's the same with augmentation. It's like people don't want it to be seen. They, you want to be treated still as a human. And Ghost in the Shell is always exploring those themes of when does human and AI, if you can't tell... In the original, AI, we have peop- human beings with nothing on them, right? Yeah. You can't... I don't remember. I'm sure there are things like, you know, cybernetic eyes and stuff like Battle has and things like that. Yeah, yeah. But they're not just these little sci-fi movie, you know, tidbits. It's people are trying not to mm-hmm. be seen yeah, yeah. as AI. Because that is the big thing. It's like, if you can't see that someone's AI, does it matter? Yeah. Are they then? If they're, if they're making you feel like they have a soul, do you need to know whether they're robotic or not? And that's mm-hmm. really the central big conversation that then millions of other conversations stem from with this series. And yeah, I me, feel they might get to it. But this for me... That was wasn't like, the theme for this one, for sure. No, no. Yeah. There's no philosophical yeah. theme here. No. And but I just mean visually for me they don't they represent the city in a way that's different but at least bold. Yeah. The way they represent cybernetics in people to me is like TV movie nineteen nineties. Yeah. Tack. True. Like it didn't look cool. Kind of like the uh, the uh, oh god uh, the the um, the future of the archery. Yeah. <laughs> what? The, uh, Hunger Games. Yes, Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Yeah. But at least Hunger Games had like way better production values. Like yeah, much okay. better production yeah, values. Yes. This yeah. to me, honest to God, and I don't want to spoil my review at the end of this, but this to me like feels like a TV movie with mm. too much money, but not enough money still to become a real movie. And without Scarlett Johansson in it, I don't like seeing it at the cinema feels mm. bewildering to me. It really mm-hmm. does. Like it's it's one of those films like this feels like they're just trying to do way too much visually. And they're not really succeeding in any of it. Visually. Yeah. Okay. Visually. I can buy that. Yeah. Like there's yeah. these cool ideas that on paper I think it look cool, and mm. every now and then they just hit one for a second, like the monks. You know, mm. like these cool mm. visual mm. elements. Mm. But for the most part, everything else like you're just you're just reaching too far, and you don't have the talent or the money. Like one of those two, or maybe both. Mm. Okay. Um, and then the problem is that would be fine if you had a really good humor and script, but they don't. Like the script is yeah just yeah. letting me down again and again. Guess that's well put. Yeah. Um. Uh, we have Scarlet who we haven't mentioned <laughs> so the yeah. big thing is Scarlet playing the major a lot of trouble beforehand when it was announced because of whitewashing and, uh-huh, blah, 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 uh-huh. and not casting an Asian person uh-huh. as we went through that's why I wanted to go through everyone's section 9 we have two people played by Japanese then um, with Aramaki with uh-huh. Kitano um, and who's the other one Satan yeah. so we've got two Japanese uh-huh. we've got one person from Australia one person from Kurdish and Polish. Why and does English. Aramaki speak in Japanese? That's another weird Yeah, it's weird. Thing. Everyone understands. <laughs> I mean, other than the fact that he does not speak English. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which would yeah. be fine if if the city seemed like it was in Japan, but it doesn't necessarily. I think it would be fine if everyone spoke their own language or like if there was one more character who spoke their own language. Yeah, then it would kind of make sense. He's just the only but one. He's the only one. Which, uh, well. Yep. Um, 
But then we got some from France. We got some from Zimbabwe. Like we yeah, exactly. They could have spoken exactly. in their tongue. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> but we have like a huge mix of nationalities. Yeah. So I feel that for them is them getting away with white major is white, and I'm kind of fine with that. I I mean, as a Japanese actor, I'm totally fine with this casting. Okay. Like I have no issue for this one. Okay. Not saying that I have no. Issue towards whitewashing because there have been many roles in yes. other films that was the thing, but in this one, I'm kind of okay with it because she's probably the best one to play the role, and Major's not. Major doesn't look Japanese anyway. No, I mean, yeah, and even uh, Mamoroshi came out. Yeah, to, exactly. To say, like, yeah, yeah. He, he. The whole point is like. And in AI. manga form, sh- she's really not yeah, looking she's Japanese. Very Western, yeah. I mean, they're all quite Western in yeah. Exactly. So, therefore, I don't really mind. Yeah. You know. No, yeah. I, I, I don't. So, I kind of I agree and I disagree with you. So, I don't have a problem with them casting someone white mm. in this role. And I actually love Scarlett Johansson and a lot of stuff she's done. Yeah. I do not feel she's right for the major um, mm. in any way. Again, partly from the script. Like I was saying, where they've written her mm-hmm. at isn't a place where I feel it is the major yet. It shouldn't be called the major. Maybe there should be the title she gets at the end of the film. It's like, now you mm-hmm. get to be called the major because you're strong enough. Maybe. Um, but she's just... I don't really believe Scarlett Johansson when she's trying to play tough. I don't believe her in Avengers even when she's but trying to play tough. But then I was thinking last night, though, who would have done better job? Like, who would have been... Not better job, oh, but like, who, who would have been more right? I don't know, but Scarlett just seems like a little girl a lot of the time. She's like this little grumpy girl. Yeah, which She's... reminded me of how Major ends up at the end of the yeah, but original not, animation. But yeah, but that's what I'm saying. But that's yeah. not how... Like that's, She's in a very different place. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I, like, know. I, I just cannot think of anybody else who's right. She's not. I don't feel she would be commanding this team. Well, she isn't in the series. In this no, film. she's not. <laughs> like she yeah. should be. She's meant to be, but she's not. No, she's not uh, until the end of this movie when Aramaki says, "Major, I'll let you take the lead." Okay. Yeah. Okay. So she's not running section nine until the end of the no, movie. No. Okay. Yeah. That confused me as well because you should be. <laughs> I think you need to watch it again. Al. Well, it's because the fucking <laughs> film starts with the same beginning as the anime, and in the anime, and section nine are there, but she's not running them. Then I guess and she's just like part of it. To be fair, I had an advantage of understanding the Japanese language Aramaki was saying. Right. Okay. Which really helps. It's slightly different context. Yeah. Things. Yeah. But it does. It could have started exactly the same as the anime with her bursting in through the window in that iconic scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Section and section nine are kind of there, but just in the background, and they sort of turn up late, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the anime, she's already running section nine by that point, and then yeah, yeah, I guess she she's not. But it doesn't really tell you definitively. It just kind of skirts around that. Of like, well, they're all there, but they're not really. They have one of their meetings that they do where they're all like meant to be patching in through their heads, uh-huh. which in the anime they're always patching into the heads to meet yeah, yeah, sort of yeah. remotely, like in a chat room, essentially. Uh-huh. Um, they do that once at the beginning of this film. The and red room. Yeah, and they're all like yeah. sitting around the board talking. It's white room in the animation, right? Yes, I think yeah. so. But that's why I was like, oh, so section this is all the section nine. We're going to get to see section nine doing stuff because that's right at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then they all just fuck off because Aramaki yeah. kind of says, well, you guys go do this thing. You go do this thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mention the other ones who are left out of the four people he assigns mm, jobs to. No. It's And I, I just didn't... Yeah, anyway. I didn't believe her... She just doesn't look right to me. Like, she looks right to me in a poster. Mm. She looks right to me in a freeze frame. Mm, I see. But her movements, like I say, were directed badly. Um, I, she just looks like she's either about to cry or about to get grumpy about something. And I, mm. it doesn't... 
work for me. The major is a strong character, mm. and she just didn't feel strong at mm. all in this film. Mm. She didn't feel interesting to me really either. Mm. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I guess the other big thing about it is how they tackled her thermoptic camouflage as well. Yeah. So there's a big thing in the in the anime. She just takes all her clothes off and gets naked, and then she turns invisible. Um, they do have people with clothes in the anime who can do thermoptic camouflage as well, which they also have in this. Oh yeah, yeah. So for instance, the guy who's running around uh, in in the in the water who she has to fight yeah, with, yeah, he yeah. has some thermoptic camouflage. At one yes, point. which keeps cutting in and out. Cutting in, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, what Katie yeah. pointed out to me. Is with clothes, yeah. it's less reliable, but yeah. without clothes, it's better, kind of thing. Yeah. So when she takes all her clothes off in this, and they're boasting beforehand, we found the way around stopping Scarlett Johansson from getting completely naked. Like yeah. we found a cool way to do this. So it's kind of a combination. It's like latex yeah. um, that they put over her uh-huh. that has sort of grooves where I guess robotic grooves would be. Uh-huh. Um, so this is meant to be her naked though, isn't it? Like it's just that's no, what a robotic no. body looks like. No. Is no, that not? No. So no. she's meant to put this on underneath her regular clothes? Yeah. Really? Because she definitely looks more um, larger. Yeah, but I felt that that was just the fact that they had to put no, latex I, on her. No, I really don't think so. Be- because when she's getting the surgery or mm-hmm. like when she c- comes out at the beginning, she's a so lot more on the back. skinnier. Yeah. So it's a suit, like so a superhero f- kind of suit. So she has to keep on that suit on underneath her clothes if she ever takes them off to then go Yeah, invisible. if she wants to do that. That that's, was my understanding because a, it definitely looks like... That's a fucking job to do, isn't it? Yeah. Because <laughs> she's got to put them on in all and the places. I did, I did see a video like of... They made the suit, and it took like forty-five minutes, was it, to put it on? To put it on, that's not. Or like, uh, no, maybe more, and a lot of like, a lot of baby powder and. <laughs> and then they, yeah, obviously CGI over it in places as well. Yeah, um, yeah. To smooth it out and give it a weird. I'm pretty condition. sure that's like a bodysuit. There's another thing I can tell. We have a third person yeah. in the room who saw the movie. Katie, do you think the suit that she wears to turn invisible? Is that just her robotic body, or is it something she puts on underneath no, her clothes? When they're repairing her, you see that still on her, and you see them like fixing it. And when it when they're done fixing her, that is what she has. So I feel like that's her body. You think that's her body? Because mm. Tamara is correct. At the beginning of the film, they show her with real skin, but I just feel that's bad filmmaking. Like I just felt they hadn't. Yeah. To me, in my head, that was her body. But like you see only two of her fingers when she's wearing the suit. And uh, you also see all of her fingers at some point as well. Right. I don't know. I yeah. No Either way, it's definitely not clear. No. <laughs> like they need maybe a scene just showing her putting one last bit yeah, of it on yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, that, just yeah, the shoulder pad. Yeah. I don't know, something. Yeah. Which would have been easy to do. Yeah. But they didn't. To me, how it honestly feels from reading like the stuff before they made this movie and just from the evidence rest of the film mm-hmm. it feels like a half-baked idea it feels like a yeah. thing of oh we're making this oh shit we didn't think about how we're gonna get her naked yeah. Scarlett we've now cast how exciting she I mean it looks pretty naked. naked to me it does it's distracting <laughs> it is distracting but they would have like realised oh we can't do full nudity with Scarlett in this kind of film at least she'll do it for under the skin but not for yeah, this yeah. Um, so how do we do it then they have to come up with a cool way to do it but by that point you've planned other parts of the film I just feel it's a contradiction in how they yeah, shoot probably. that character yeah they never really fully thought through the practicality of it. Mm. When it looks cool, it looks cool. When it doesn't, it looks distracting and weird to me. Uh, I agree. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. When she first bursts in and she's running across the walls like in the trailer, that stuff was pretty cool. Mm. It's very hard. It's very, it's a weird, it's just weird because I appreciate it's part of the anime. I don't know how you get around it without. You could have just had her in a coat or something that is mm. the optic. But it is very distracting. Yeah. Because <laughs> you basically it subconsciously is. always feel no matter what's happening, Scarlett Johansson is naked. Yeah. Her butt is always right there. Yeah. And it is strange because you're kind of scrutinizing it as well in terms of you can't help but look at it and go, what's going on? Like, what is it yeah. really? I know there's some silicon, there's some CGI. It does. Yeah. It takes took me out of the movie because I'm just yeah. trying Perfect. to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, actually, you mentioned trailer. Yeah. Like I still don't know why they uh, released that long trailer for the like for the cinematic yeah. theatrical use only. Probably I don't know. It's annoying. Yeah. Like they show a lot of what's yeah. going on, and you get to see Kuzey, the puppet master, in that. Trailer. Which is really upsetting because they've been doing such a good marketing of only showing bits yes. and bits and elements, and yes. they've been so smart. Then at the very end, they show everything, like everything yeah. else, and it's got what? Why did you do that? Every trailer seems to do this. I'm trying. I'm yeah. doing everything I can not to watch the new Spider-Man trailer because I don't want to know anything. Even else. Logan, I was like, oh, I know she's gonna. i know she's gonna yeah and didn't want to know that um anyway yeah yeah for me in the movie they show you the puppet master too early no matter showing you in the fucking trailer um and then yeah not a good enough payoff anyway my favorite scene one of my favorite scenes when aramaki gets attacked yes that That was very um, cool we said this when we come out so aramaki's in his car yeah he gets ambushed yeah he, in a very improbable way, with the suitcase, <laughs> manages to get through the hell of bullets, but very cool. Yeah. Shoots him I mean, down. it's very Yakuza. Like, it's, it's very Takeshi. It looks like they let him direct that. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, which could have happened. I uh, think they did let him do a lot of stuff because his Japanese lines were much better than English lines. Oh, in right, the movie. okay. Like so I, they probably let him. Well, he, they probably didn't know what he was yeah, saying. Yeah, he wrote <laughs> his own lines. I'm pretty sure, yeah. and they they're good lines, well written lines, well written lines. Kitana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Because in that scene, it, I said it was the only good line in the film for me, which is like, "Don't send rabbits to yeah. kill a wolf or yeah. whatever." It was something like that. that it was cool. that I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So okay. So let's. Kitsune no ni usagi o Something better, like sounded that. better when I yeah. said it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I want to get into just. There's a couple. There are a million little dumb problems with this film in terms of just continuities mm-hmm. and then to do with plot devices. I just want to do two of them really quickly. Okay. Uh, but before we do that, I want. I do want to talk about Cutter. Cutter's yes. the other baddie we haven't talked about really. He's the financier of the whole project, yeah. who has one emotional feature: evil. <laughs> I am evil the whole time. He's never yeah. a real person. He is, to me, everything that's wrong with this movie. Okay. He is awful. So fucking bad. From the dialogue to the acting, just from the way his face portrays the thing. He doesn't have a face you can read anything into. And mm-hmm. then he has, like, yeah, the little chip thing we talked about in his head as well. Like, mm-hmm. he is bad, bad sci-fi through and through. Like, straight to TV movie in the mid-90s, like, sci-fi. Okay. And I hate his character so much and i hate the actor now so much because of this movie uh it upset me deeply and he does nothing in this movie there's a bit at the end where he's controlling the spider tank which is from the anime 
and he's just like sitting in a room and he's just like rotating a little neon cubic cu- Rubik's cube mm. kind of thing. Yeah. And he just keeps grimacing and like growling and just yeah, it's that, so that that looked like like Spider Man kind it's, of it's embarrassing. Feeling, right? Original Spider Man kind of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I was really embarrassed. I really was. And it kept making me feel ashamed. Like to be in the premiere of this film, there were people clapping at the end still, somehow. Mm. Um and so I was like, Okay, I'm in a room full of Ghost in the Shell fans. Yeah. But if I was in a regular cinema or I'd like said to my friend, you got to watch this film. It's like, come with me. I would have been embarrassed with this guy. Like he was everything that makes me ashamed to watch, you know, like what people think anime is going to be like or what people think science yeah. fiction is going to be like. You can say you love them now. Look at you. No, I don't. No, no. I mean, I actually have nothing to say about him. <laughs> but he's the, he's meant to be the villain. Yeah, I like, mean, that master. itself is a problem, but I really don't have anything to say about him. He's just, we don't need him. That's the problem. Yeah. We don't need him. Yeah. The puppet master should be all we're concentrating on and they should have fleshed the puppet master out more and allowed him to have a true arc that was interesting and meaty. And the big discussion that they have at the end, which again, they try and do from the anime, but they truncate it down to about four sentences, whereas the anime goes on for 10 minutes or whatever. That's what the film should be about. And instead they give all this time to this dumb villain I who we don't need. I think what they tried to do is that he's a representation of those corporate yeah but but they didn't do that no yeah the way they make him only with none of the humor and this is going to be the end thing i come to but i'm just going to come to it right now this film when you look at it in its blueprint it's robocop that's what they've made (laughs) is robocop no it is you start with someone who has died and they're being reassembled into machine with a human brain yeah it is robocop then you have to go through a year later when they're on the streets it's robocop and then do you have to go with them realizing where they actually came from and bits of their past start coming through to where they are now as a cybernetic it's fucking robocop yeah and then they try and deal with this and they realize that the corporation that they're meant to be working for has been lying to them and actually took them from a like without them giving permission and killed them for this test subject to become like this thing it's like (laughs) it's robocop like the whole fucking thing is robocop yeah you're right (laughs) <laughs> and this character feels kind of feels like he's directly from Robocop only without Paul Verhoeven's wry humor that yeah, he because okay. Paul Verhoeven yeah, knows that I see fun. that yeah um, and that just kept uh, um, okay I didn't yeah. want to mention it to the end but that's something that to me I couldn't get away from this whole movie is like I'm watching a remake of Robocop <laughs> right now and it's not even as good as Robocop like Robocop was a much 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 better film because it knows it's funny and it's yeah. dealing with great satire it understands the philosophical things it's talking about was Robocop made after the original Ghost in the Show? Robocop was made no bef- well before? The, before the original manga even Robocop was actually okay. a bunch okay. of people who stole Judge Dredd it was being Judge Dredd was being turned to a movie and a bunch of people stole mm. it took it to another company and made Robocop. Mm-hmm. So then Judge Dredd couldn't become a movie because Robocop had just come I out. see. It's better than the latest Robocop though. Yes, it is. Which is a shame because <laughs> that director's great, but that movie's <laughs> trash. Um, is this, oh, is this better than that? Oh, that's, come a, on. that's a painful thing to me. That's, I don't know. I don't know. Um, all right. So that's, that's yeah. Let's Let me just very quickly then, my two little nitpicks okay. that are examples of a million other ones. Go ahead. Both of them have to do with weapons. So the first one, you know what I'm going to say. The garbage truck. Yeah. So there are two garbage men. Yeah. The puppet master hacks into their brains. Uh-huh. So that... Kuzé, sorry. Yeah. Hacks into their brains. Uh, so that they can take out... Um, is it Major at that point? Yeah. Major. No, no. no. Doctor. 
Oh, the Dr. Ule. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. yeah. Um, they're just having a regular conversation um, and then suddenly the brains get hacked mm-hmm. and then they drive the truck into Ule's car mm-hmm. and then they jump out and pull out assault rifles mm-hmm. and then drop them and immediately pull out other handguns mm-hmm. and with a hell of bullets start taken down. And in mm-hmm. my head, I'm like, where the fuck do they get this weaponry from? Mm-hmm. They're just garbage men. And then in the next scene or in part of that scene, like they do like for a brief second they're like all these questions like where do the weapons come from where do mm-hmm. all this stuff come from mm-hmm. they never answer it because they just breeze on through and the writers at some point you can tell someone reading it went like where do the weapons come from <laughs> and they said yeah but it's cool it's a cool scene how does it work in the original um they do have because they do have weapons in the original don't they yeah but how i don't remember i mean maybe it's a problem with the original as well i don't know yeah, um, I don't remember. I'd have to go back. Yeah. For me, it's just yeah. such a simple fix. It's like you could believe, because we're in a weird science fiction future, you could believe maybe they have handguns in their glove compartment or something like that, you know? You could believe maybe like this is a dangerous world mm-hmm. and you drive around mm-hmm. on a garbage truck duty and you need to be mm-hmm. able to protect you. Mm-hmm. But assault rifles and four different weapons? Mm-hmm. My second one with weapons, okay. which I, this is my personal favorite. <laughs> when Bato and Major are going into like the Yakuza strip club kind of place. Yes, yeah. And there's a lot of security to get in. And they're all worried about how we're going to get in and how we're going to distract uh-huh. people. Yeah. Bateau kind of, even though he's been there before, because he says he's been there before, uh-huh. um, the guy hassles him on the front door. Uh-huh. And he has to like, go through that security to get in. He yeah. gets in. It's a really bad scene anyway, but he gets in. And then he goes to the toilet. And then Section 9 ha- starts handing him assault rifles through the window yeah, in the toilet. That was weird. Yeah. It's like, why didn't he just come through the window? <laughs> No, the window was so narrow. No, it wasn't. It was this it huge, was like, wide screen. It was window. wide but narrow. Oh, it was ridiculous. <laughs> it was so <laughs> dumb. It was way big enough. I'm sitting there watching him doing it. Like, he could have. That was a big guy, Al. Then send in the rest yeah. of Section 9. That was big enough well, they don't for exist. regular people to get through. They were outside. <laughs> That's their big moment in the movie, Tamara. They're outside the window handing him guns because they're not allowed to yeah, do okay, anything. Yeah, okay. I must admit, that moment it was really did stupid. look comical. Yeah. Um, but like in animation you do have those comical moments which works when it's a medium of anime you know but as soon as it becomes this I, I get it. real like, like uh, I understand there's a completely yeah. different conversation before how do you turn a computer game into a good feature film which seemingly no one can do uh, please let Tomb Raider be good and how do you turn an anime into a good feature film yeah. I get yeah. it there's a huge divide between what you can show mm-hmm. an artificial media of storytelling Mm -hmm. whether it's graphics or animation Mm -hmm. to live action yeah but then you got to be fucking smart enough to tackle it in the right way and that's what i'm saying they clearly had enough budget here to be smart Mm -hmm. they just didn't get a good script written they didn't tell the story in the right way and then they spent so much on all these effects they were determined to put on screen to make it look really sort of glamorous yeah when that money should have been siphoned into other places i think that's what i got though like it, it it really looks like somewhere in between those latest computer game um, CGI scenes uh, kind of mixed with the normal cinema movie. Yeah. No, yeah. I hear. Yeah. No, no so that's, that's the kind of style they went for. Yeah. I don't personally enjoy that style, but it's a style. It's a new style. Is it's it new? A, it's a cheap, tacky style. Uh, <laughs> it's what it is. Uh, so we yeah. don't have enough money and we're pushing too far. Yeah, maybe. And we don't have enough talent to think around it. Like, like if we go, we made a list before we started this because we were going to talk about actors, directing, effects, music, story, language. I, if I just go through this now, because I feel we're getting towards the end of this. Mm-hmm. 
in terms of, for me, what did they succeed with? Actors, 50% of the casting I think is good. 50% I had no idea about. Did they mm-hmm. do a good job in this film? It's not on screen. It doesn't mean they're not good actors, but it's not on screen. There's nothing on here that yep. any of them made me proud. It's like, yeah, that's, some, that's good acting. There can be a number of reasons, like CGI. The I mean, direction, the I think, is a big The part. direction, the set. So then yeah. directing, which is the second one for me. Yeah. It's... Uh, ostensibly from the edit and from the shots he picks it's fine mm-hmm. it's fine it's complete it's much like snow White and huntsman like it's completely mm-hmm. operational mm-hmm. in terms of just functional shots mm-hmm. in terms of how he directs the actors horrendous like for me just really really bad how he directs the actors then um, you know you, we know how many investors are involved in this project yeah, no. So look, you're just making excuses the, for everybody. Tamar. Yeah, the acting I, is bad in this movie. That's exactly why I'm trying to. The direction to do. is bad in this exactly. movie. Exactly. Uh, so everyone's got their reasons. It doesn't mean they can't like make a masterpiece yeah, next time. Yeah. Like Scarlett's done a masterpiece. This director hasn't yet, but I'm sure he can do something great. Uh-huh. Um, effects for me, it's like again, it's like I don't know how much money they had. Uh-huh. There's a ton of effects. I can't even imagine it. Yeah, it's probably the best part about this movie effects, but there's still a lot of hokey effects in this film. Yeah. Um, the music for me just didn't work it was just drony mm-hmm. boring like it, it didn't stick out in any way and then suddenly you get the vibrant anime music in the mm-hmm, finale okay. and i got all excited the story for me i think the story's fine yeah but the way they then assemble it as a script is for me just doesn't work in any way yeah it's a language i have a problem with yeah which then takes you to, yeah, to the language and with this many good experienced actors what usually happens is them to say those lines like I don't feel right saying those lines. Can we say this instead? And blah, blah, blah. It feels like that did not happen. Also. But that's what I mean. I don't feel Scarlett is like, I have no clue, but I don't feel that she approaches stuff that intelligently. I feel like she's used to being in a movie like Avengers where you just trust the people around you. You know, you mm, don't second okay. guess that's because true. they know what they're doing. Yeah. They yeah. know like, yeah, this sounds and looks dumb right now, mm-hmm. but we're going to make it work in post because mm. we know mm. what we're doing. Mm. Probably. Um, these fair. people just didn't really know what they're doing in post. Mm. Like they couldn't, make that stuff not still look dumb at least most of the time there are moments where it looks cool for sure yeah but they're just like it's like a music video it's like well if i can take those little snippets it's not gonna make any sense as a story but those bits look cool yeah yeah um okay but this for me i mean you've seen the blade runner trailer haven't you for the mm-hmm. new blade runner beautiful that's how this film should be you know it should like it should be dark and melancholic and philosophical and somber and that's how all of the anime is other than uh, bits of a rise. I don't know if that's teams. how it should be, but if yeah. Well, I just mean that's what that's all the anime we would have wanted. Is. Yeah, yeah. The manga for sure. That's slightly different. Yeah. The manga should be more like CSI, mm. um, which mm. this isn't either. Mm. You don't, you're not getting the collective Section Nine fun tropes no. of like an X Men no. thing here, and you're not getting the philosophical somber Mamoru Oshii no. style thing either. And what they're trying to do is this more. Yeah, it is more of what they think is like a comic book origins, I guess. Well, it definitely felt like it's going to be a sequel. And I I will right? bet my career that it will not be a sequel to this movie. <laughs> like, there will not oh, be a sequel it. to this movie. Oh, okay. There's no way. There is no why? Way. For starters, it's not going to make enough money to bring in a, okay. a sequel. Yeah. I promise you that. Uh-huh. Um, for, for second, Scarlet will not come back to okay. do, that, do a sequel to this movie. Uh-huh. Unless it's already written in the contract. No, there's no way that she would sign to to something like this, like an unknown okay. property. Okay. There's no way. Okay. I mean, 
I, I kept thinking that like the way they run the plot or the the way they sort of introduce characters and so on and so forth it they have Seiko in mind oh I'm sure the creators that like it was like everywhere you noticed you know no no definitely I am 100% think that they think that there's going to be a sequel to this movie yeah but I said as I said to you when we came out as an actor I was like what is it like because in my head all I could keep thinking is I'm Scarlett Johansson I'm on a great trajectory my career is about as big as it could possibly get Obviously, you make a film that's not that great every now and then. Yeah. You, and it's out of your control as an actor. You have no. You can give everything to something. You have to trust in the team around you. Yeah. It's not always their fault. Things just happen. Like, yeah. like I'm, I have so much empathy for these people. Like, film is an organic, weird process. And mm-hmm. and, and as someone who's in post production right now on my own film, it could turn out to be brilliant. It could turn out to be heap of trash. Yeah. I have no idea how much influence I really have over that. You know, it's mm-hmm. an organic thing. But the idea of her sitting there in that preview screening with the director and producer or whatever to like see it for the very first time and that feeling you must get where you're like oh this didn't work out <laughs> you know it's like this movie without Scarlett and I'll say it one more time should go straight to iTunes like it really should it's, yeah I don't see how it ends up in cinemas without her mm. um, in Japan for sure because you've got Katana I guess but is his stuff guaranteed like big release do you think I'll make money in Japan because of him well, Japanese movie market is very small to start with anyway these days. So I don't know how much money it's going to make. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we have right here on Box Office Mojo. Obviously, it's just open on Thursday. And Kitano isn't like, like, he's big, but younger generations don't really care about him. Okay. Uh, sorry, I'm just looking at this. We've got... Um, Ghost in the Shell made $1.8 million on its opening uh, night. Mm. Which is... Not bad. Well, no, it's dramatically low, but it's a preview night. So the weekend will really tell. Uh, There have been films historically which have had a bad preview night, but then grow big over the weekend. Mm. So it'll be interesting when we do the regular podcast next week to see where this film is sitting. Yeah. Um, But 1.8 is a low Mm. Thursday preview screening. Um. Yeah. People can probably tell where I'm heading anyway <laughs> with my feelings on this So, the score? Yeah, I don't know what else there is to say, really. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Are you happy? We're still going, don't worry. <laughs> You're looking at the... Well, we've had yeah, too yeah. many glitches recently Yeah, yeah. where yeah. the podcast stops recording. I've lost two episodes recently. It's oh, broken my no. heart. Broken my heart. Um, one was just great one when we were talking about the second part of the films from 2016 yeah. and we literally recorded the moment when me and Tom particularly me but also mm. Tom we talk ourselves around on La La Land and I realise I love it <laughs> going from not really <laughs> no you it. do? <laughs> yeah. really? it was a really fun oh my god and we caught that moment and it, it lost it because it, oh, it no. glitched and ruined the whole thing you love it? oh I love it it was one of my favourite films of last year if cool. not favourite film of last year wow I have a big problem with it, as we talked about before. There was a, an article that said that peop, um, in order to enjoy La La Land, you need to have had a huge uh, dream and a despair in your life. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> or something like that, Yeah, I which is kind of well put. I would agree, but yeah, my big problem with it is it then tells you, well, just keep dreaming in your dream and everything yeah, I will know, be fine. Yeah, I know, I know. So that's my problem with it, but anyway. Well, it, it, that is a la la land. That is what their is yeah. about. They've got to proliferate 
the fact of you just keep dreaming we promise we'll give you something at some point okay. yeah which um, is that's the american in, dream incorrect with la <laughs> okay so tam Roshida. yes uh, i'm sensing you like this one more to me would you recommend probably yeah. ghost in the shell to other people and what kind of score would you give it in reflection i can't i'm trying to remember what you gave the original ghost in the shell now because we scored them i think i said like seven yeah i think eight. you gave it a seven or 7.5 yeah something and like then that. you gave innocence less than that yeah probably um so where, where does this fit uh if you're a huge fan of the original you will probably not enjoy it as much <laughs> Um, if you like the whole world of the Ghost in the Shell, go see it as another universe of the Ghost in the Shell. You know, it's not; it's it's just something else, because the visually it's very different, and you know, it's much lighter. So, like, it's almost like there is the original, there is the the uh, Innocence, and the second one. Then there is Arise, and there is this one which is just completely another universe and if you can bear to watch it like that way you might enjoy it or be okay with it um i don't know i'd say six six yeah yeah is it too high i don't know because i i must (laughs) say up i absolutely hated it halfway through i was like i hate this movie but then i so it, you said you came around towards it the came end. Around what to what it, made yeah. you come around towards it? It's a plot, I think. Okay. Yeah. Just when it had some emotional resonance at the end yeah. of that Yeah. Yeah. That worked for me. Yeah. See, I, I, I had the opposite because... It seems that you missed all plot. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was trying, man. But, uh, uh, yeah, I had the opposite because by that point, I was realizing they're just butchering all of this emotional resonance. It's like anything they could be doing that's interesting with this, they're just pissing all over. Yeah. Um. And then they just keep reminding me of, oh, look how good the old anime was. We'll just throw in a scene from that <laughs> that we've done like a fan movie to recreate sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I, I hated this movie. Yeah. Um, I started off positively. There are things to like, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. There are some great visual flourishes yep. in here. The action is competent in a Matrix kind of way, but mm-hmm. not in a bad Matrix, in a genuinely good Matrix yeah, kind of way. Yeah. Um, Scarlett Hansen is, is, I think, great in this role, but not great in this role. Like she's great in the role that they've created for <laughs> you her. You know, that did not make any sense. Well, I mean... That sentence. <laughs> it's like you're saying, this is a new Ghost in the Shell universe, and that, you know, you're right. This is a completely different way to tell the story while yeah. also paying homage to the original. Whether you like it or not, it is. Exactly. Yeah. And they create, essentially, a new character for her in this. So that's my thing. It's like, she is great in this role. Mm-hmm. Uh, not amazing, but mm-hmm. good enough and great, I think. Mm-hmm. Great, at, great at points. She is not the major. Like, she's not... Um, and I think she says I am major. She does. She's lying. Keep, in, she in keeps a, saying that in a kind of Batman sort of <laughs> way. I am um, major. So yeah, I, I mean, you're right. I think if you can go on with a completely open mind as yeah. a fan, yeah, you'll get something out of this. I would recommend as a fan wait until it goes to Netflix and watch it for free, or well, not for free, but part of a subscription. I mean, yeah, that IMAX 3D is something that's different. It's yeah. I, I mean, don't necessarily recommend it. Yeah, it was yeah. an experience. If in a better film, it's worth it. In this, it wasn't for me. If you're not a Ghost in the Shell fan, would I recommend this movie? No, mm. I really, really wouldn't. Yeah. Like for me personally, I think watch the original. Yeah, watch the original, <laughs> or maybe so the ones I recommended last time, and I'm still going to recommend the same ones as the original, the sequel to that Innocence, which is very different. 
and then the TV show's second season done as a movie, which is called The Laughing Man. Um, yeah. Sorry, no, it's called The Individual Eleven. I mean, Individual Eleven. And then the the movie. This is not the, the right introduction to the ghost in the shell. I mean, whereas the plot-wise, it's made simpler and easier to digest. But my problem is, no. that I think some people will be fine with it. I think a lot of people can watch this and they'll understand it fine. Yeah. I think if you're not a fan, it won't annoy you as much. Mm. But I think if you watch this not as a fan, no matter what we say to you right now, mm. you're not going to go and check out the originals. True. Like, I don't yeah. think most yeah. people are going to go, oh, I want to go and check out the original anime. Mm. They're just going to go, well, if there's a sequel, maybe I'll check it out. Mm. Mm. Um, Bruno is one of the few people where, because he said, I guess that's the caveat. I feel like Bruno and he went in and he said, I like some of these visuals and I like the story then I can say to him, well, go watch these other films because mm. they deal with that in way... Like, and I don't just mean in a boring philosophical... More mature way. Like, yeah, but they have that, but it's not just that. If you want the action, it is in there. Yeah. Like, it is in the TV version. Like, the individual mm -hmm. has incredible action and philosophy and politics, and it mixes it all together into a really thrilling film. And um, Standalone Complex does as well. Far better than this. I would say the closest this is is to Standalone Complex, which was the last movie... Mm. from the tv show mm -hmm. they're kind of very similar to what they're trying to do standard mm. complex blows us out of the water mm. um i would give this movie like a four like i think okay. it's, i think it's i think that's fair um i really do mm -hmm. and i think it's a real shame not just for ghosts in the shell because it's been 20 years waiting for this but for the other films that we've been waiting for like the much 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 circulated and still apparently mm -hmm. happening akira because they are going to look at this now and go, well, do we keep making Akira? Um, and if you're worried about overreaching your budget with Ghost in the Shell, oh boy, look at Akira. Can you imagine? No one knows about it in Japan. Can you imagine? The West cares. Can you imagine the bad CGI sci-fi mess Akira could become? If they go at it, like they do something like this. You just don't have the budget. I mean, they have, I don't. <laughs> it wor it just legitimately worries me. It's because these films, like it's it was important when Iron Man came out, and then when Batman Begins came out, to show, look, you can do comic book movies in a different way. I mean, Marvel knows what they're doing. Yeah, but that they was an important. I just mean that was an important good. time. This is important to prove. Look, you can do anime well, um, in a live action format, and I do believe you can, and I do believe you can make good video game movies in live action format. For some reason, people struggle with these mediums yeah because i think they're just too in love with the original thing mm -hmm. um let ghost in the shell be its own thing mm. you know like let it i would much prefer they just did something way more elegant and just allowed a director and a writer who really had skill like these writers i put a lot of the blame on mm -hmm. i really do just to allow it to become something different with its own personality as a live action also visually um animations because of the lack of facial expressions mm -hmm. you tend to emphasize with the characters easier in a weird way yeah with animation in a weird way when you make that into a cgi it just doesn't work yeah because i struggle to emphasize with the computer game characters yeah I hear. one because they're they're not there for a long time but also because of the cg plasticky face mm -hmm. is very difficult to emphasize with yeah no there's a lack of doesn't the character from 2d animation to doing cgi like that is yeah mm. there's loss it's, there is no yeah 
no soul or no ghost. Yeah. I mean, right. Pixar does a very good job. Yes. But like that's their forte. Yeah. You no, know. it is. It takes a, a lot of uh, very particular magic to capture Exactly. Um, and arguably, you can still go back to Toy Story 1 and it's a very enjoyable film. Yeah. But there's a lot of soul lacking from that film now compared yeah, exactly. to what they can do there. Um, and w- when they... And Pixar kind of does it well because they characterize it. Whereas when you try to be realistic whilst still being very plastic, plasticky, mm-hmm. that's a very difficult one to t- tackle. Yes. I agree. I agree. And Akira doesn't need to be plasticky. No. Because they're not robots. No. So Akira needs to be... I don't even... I, I've always said it. I want to see it. I don't know how you do that film. I don't know how you do it. Particularly in one movie, you can't. It has to be two or three. Like, it's such a big story. Oh, like... You've seen humans, right? Uh, oh, the TV show. The, the, yeah, uh, I have not. I've seen, I know of it, and I've seen bits. Gemma Chan. Hmm. Like they don't make their faces plastic. One because they don't have the budget, obviously. But like it works. Mm-hmm. Actors trying to be as neutrals, as neutral as possible, but you have your feelings and emotions that kind of naturally come out from your face. It works. Uh, you shouldn't need CGI. No. And it's just about good direction. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Like, get yeah. good actors with good direction yeah. and you're golden. Maybe. Like, yeah. this film, honestly, I don't want to go back to the Blade Runner sequel again, but Dennis Villeneuve, there's a reason why he's doing that. Mm. Like, he can... You look at Arrival, you look at Prisoners, you look at what that Blade Runner looks like, and mm. he can get soul into mm. these big blockbuster mm. films. And that's what you need. With something like... I got to see Ghost in the Shell, directed by AM. Like, that would have been incredible. I haven't seen The Huntsman. It's up, don't bother. Okay. <laughs> End the conversation. Case closed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tamro. Um, so, yeah, so for me, it's an aggressive, don't even bother with it, to be honest. Uh, but we will, and you have a kind of cautious, like some people might get something out of it, but it's mm. it's not, you're, yeah. You, you would recommend the original anime over this, but some people might. I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to put words in your mouth. You know, and some good moments. There are some good moments. There are some, some beautiful moments. moments. Yeah. Um, we will talk a little bit more about this, or I will at least uh, next week on the regular podcast on Tuesday, uh, where we'll be doing box office. So we'll be able to see what happened and how the public reacted with it, what the reviews are like. Yes, that would be interesting, I think. Because I don't really know yeah. how people are responding to this yet. I've personally not looked at any no. of the early reviews, so we'll find out mm-hmm. and talk about it then. Uh, it's just called Geeks. Uh, it goes up every Tuesday talking about video games, talking about movies, topical stuff, uh, reviews and releases and news. Um, yeah, and we're volleying that back and forth between LA and England at the moment. That goes up every Tuesday. Uh, every Friday, we have a horror podcast going up as well. At the moment, we're delving through a nightmare on Elm Street. That's me and Alex, uh, Alexander Chard. And we have Hollywood and Wine, which is Adrian's new podcast about uh, the industry in living in LA. Um, that goes up every Wednesday, I want to say. Or is it Thursday? I'm getting confused now. Um, but anyway, lots of cool content. All you need to do is go to iTunes, type in We Are Geeks. Geeks. And it'll pop up and you can subscribe. At the moment, you're going to get everything. Um, but very, very soon, we are in the middle of, of sort of uh, recreating everything and sort of shuffling out. Refurbishment. Exactly. Exactly. Renovation. Renovation. That's the word. Um, where it's going to be much easier Recreation. For you. you can shut up. You can just <laughs> subscribe to whatever Re-imagine. you want. Reimagine. That's why I really hate you. <laughs> <laughs> These are all the words in the pitch for the Ghost in the Shell <laughs> movie that we just saw. God, I can't think of another one. We're going to refurbish it. We're going to reboot it. We're going to yeah. reboot. Yes. 
so yeah, then you'll be able to get the content that you want and nothing else. Um, but if you say subscribe to this, uh, you'll get everything. Uh, I've been your host, Al White. And Tam Roshida. You can join us on social medias under those names. Mr. Uh-huh. Al White for me on everything. Just Tam Roshida for Tamra. Is that correct? Yeah, T-A-N-R-O-H-I-S-H-I-D-A. Thank you. Um, and if you head over to our parent company, we are Tessellate, two S's, two L's. Um, then you can branch out to all our social medias and you can watch our videos and listen to some of our music. So we're going to be updating there soon too because we're retrofitting everything to be kind of new and cool and spangly. Yeah, kind of, we had a soft launch for a year. Now we're about to do a hard launch with a feature film coming out called Starfish because we're a production company, run out of London, run out of Tokyo, run out of LA. La la land. <laughs> and we're in the middle of post-production on our first feature film we really appreciate your support please do subscribe please do retweet it helps us a lot because uh, we do this for free uh, for no real reason other than we're strange people alright thank you very much Tamara thank you Al we'll be back next week and we're out out geeks geeks